0: Welcome to the EverSaleen podcast, the show that ignites your passion for leadership and empowers you to develop a culture of continuous improvement. I'm your host, Matt Sims, and in each episode, we bring you fascinating insights and invaluable tips from our incredible lineup of guests. What do they all have in common? They share an unwavering dedication to excellence and are the experts in driving engagement, improving metrics, and reducing costs. The Ever So Lean
1: Podcast with Matt Sims. You know it makes sense.
0: This episode is sponsored by Catalyst Consulting Limited catalyst consulting exists to help people and organizations work better today and be ready for tomorrow they have a rich history of igniting business transformation using business agility lean six sigma strategy deployment agile and change management they can help you and your organization to develop the skills necessary to work and manage differently to find out more check out catalystconsulting.co.uk Today I'm honoured to host David Savage, a seasoned leader, certified professional co-active coach and founder of Manufacturing with Purpose. With vast experience spanning engineering, manufacturing and leadership, David's journey goes beyond process optimization. He's passionate about uncovering untapped human potential in manufacturing. David's roles in operations management ignited a dual passion for refining processes and nurturing talent at the same time. Recognizing overlooked potential in the industry, he shifted focus to coaching and personal development. As a transformation leader, David championed a coaching driven approach, doubling output and cutting lead times. His emphasis on engaging teams and fostering quality culture drives tangible results, an approach that I personally feel a really strong connection to. His impact ranges from lean innovation and reducing defects, fostering environments where talent thrives and innovation flourishes. David, as a professional coactive coach, empowers individuals to turn aspirations into infusing organizations with renewed purpose. In our conversation today, we'll explore self awareness, believing in teams, and unlocking potential within organizations. David will share strategies to create empowering cultures, dispel management myths, and cultivate a growth-orientated mindset. David, a very warm welcome to the Eversoling Podcast.
2: Thank you, Matt. It's uh, really a delight to be here. Looking forward to talking.
0: Yeah, first of the year, renewed energy. We're raring to go. It's the best time to be on.
2: It is, yeah. No, no, it's good to uh, to be back in the groove and... uh, yeah, getting leaner, leaner for the new year. Is this your first day back after Christmas? Yeah, it is really, yeah. I've had a few little um, check-ins.
0: Yeah, I know it sounds really strange, but it's nice to be off. But I think it's also nice to sometimes just to get back into that normal routine and get back to work, isn't it?
2: Well, I, I don't like to admit it, you know, I don't know how many members of my family will be listening to this, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that's just the way I'm wired. You know, I'm, I'm okay, but I start getting scratchy if I can't, you know, get out there and yeah. be making changes and doing my craft i suppose so
0: yeah no, it's both both are needed and i'm glad for the break yeah i get it i get it you told me off there a minute ago though that you couldn't wait to get back to work and that you were just championing the, the <laughs> just the, the lager was getting you through it was like i need to get back to work <laughs> exactly. he didn't well really. what i will say matt you know this is the ever so lean podcast so what i will say
2: is over christmas I did implement a little bit of, uh, of 5S in my routine, so we've cleaned out the crap in the cupboards so that we're using, you know, the stuff which actually gets used, is at the top of the, you know, is it accessible? Brilliant. You know, so I'm looking forward to going into the year, a bit more leaner, finding the stuff I need a bit quicker, being a bit more on it, so um, yeah. now I'm strictly banned from labelling, in the house but (laughs) i have quietly snuck in a bit
0: of 5s there so good on (laughs) you you know i've been promising to do my garage for so long i am so fed up we're trying to do a quick job in the house having to spend probably treble the amount of time the job takes in the garage looking for a screwdriver or looking for a yeah. set of pliers. It's you nuts yeah. It, oh, I'm so fed up with it so what I'm going to do and this is I'm going to record this in a time lapse and then share it on the socials so people can see the power of a, of a good 5S but I'm going to completely 5S my garage I'm going to build shadow boards I'm going to make it look nice I'm going to mark it all out And then I'm gonna share it so people can actually see that I walk the walk as well as talk the talk. (laughs) And how are you gonna engage your team in this, Matt? Because you've got kids and stuff. That's that's they would really go (laughs) (laughs) My team will consist of an eleven year old and a seven year old are very willing to go in the garage and help do it. I shall bribe them with the uh, the promise of a trip to Costa for a hot chocolate afterwards. Uh, good on you. No, that's good. Yeah, yeah it'll, pu- it'll push you to your limits, the Garage Project. Yeah, yeah. there'll be no audio on this time lapse, I might add. It'll, it'll just be a video. There'll be no me shouting at the kids, get over here, carry on with this job, do it properly. <laughs> right, let's get into our subject today because we've got loads to talk about. And I'm really looking forward to hearing your insights and, and your experience in this realm. Let's kick off with your personal journey. So can you share with us sort of the pivotal moments that led to you to focus on operations management and then into the coaching and the personal development side within manufacturing? Because there's quite a few different areas you've sort of transverse there.
2: Yeah, yeah, I have fallen quite far from the tree. I, start, I actually started off more in engineering, so I did mechanical engineering. I mean, you know, looking back, I sort of see there was a thin red thread. But when I've done sort of personality profile tests recently, you know, detail is actually quite low on what I, where I go. You know, if I tend to be more about people and connecting. That's how I sort of solve problems, is by you know, who who should I ask now rather than going into the detail. And I, I think you know, I've always loved the the physical, the working world of you know seeing a product coming together so manufacturing has always been there but it was probably at my first job which was in BAE systems a defense you know defense company and we did a site closure project and part of the job was to identify the people knowledge bit which needed to transfer over to another site so the people weren't moving they were you know there was a long distance The 100% of the staff were going to be made redundant but the technology the process was going to move so it was how do you capture the stuff in people's heads and move <laughs> it across and I think that was where I really started to realize how incredibly important the human being is to the process, particularly, you know, the the hidden tacit knowledge, the, the what to do it when this happens, what happens when it goes wrong, you know, who do you call? What happened 10 years ago when we tried this, then we had an issue, and yeah. so we're not going to do that again. No, no one writes that sort of stuff down, it's just in what we call expert knowledge um so i started to realize that this is fascinating stuff the amount of information and how important the human being is alongside the process so you know that was about knowledge transfer and and i started, i really enjoyed that project and it probably started moving me into more the the people side of engineering the human factors which I just I just really love. I just love seeing that. And I love seeing how if you can crack that part of the puzzle, the technology comes together. You know, when people are at loggerheads, they can't use technology. It's, it's all there, but they just can't really use it. And you know what it's like to integrate new technology if you don't have the team with you. It's just hard work. It just doesn't go yeah. there. So that, that's the space I love. I think the other event which was really significant for me was completely by accident. One of my friends did a coaching qualification and he needed to work with clients to build up his sort of experience. So I was paying like 10 quid for a session and it was, you know, it was full on life coaching. What do you want to achieve? What do you want to go? This kind of stuff. And it was, I really responded to it and I started putting things in place. I've been putting on the back burner, wanting, wishing, hoping and thinking it would just happen. I started addressing those things, you know, like moving house and different things like that. And I realized that it wasn't the ability I was lacking it was that follow through and that self belief and that consistency towards my priorities. So <laughs> and that, was, that was kind of a bit of a light bulb moment that it's not about knowledge and capability, but about you know motivation and belief and these kind of things. You know, so I, I you know that's that has always fascinated me and having that firsthand experience made me realize this is something i would really love to do for other people as well
0: when you had that experience in that manufacturing plant where you were so they were they're were all being made redundant and the technology was moving across how did you go about getting that information from people was there a reluctance for them to share their knowledge knowing they were leaving were they willing levers or did, was there a bit of resistance there
2: yeah yeah so i mean you, you sort of i think there's lots of goodwill you know it wasn't like You know, there was a good severance package and and stuff. But what we found is that people wanted to share. If you ask someone about their knowledge and you are approaching it from a genuine point of curiosity and humility... People are generally really happy to share. You know, they, 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 they like the fact that they, their knowledge is finally being pulled out of them. What drives people to distraction is if they feel it's being abused or if they feel disrespected or they feel something's unfair. So if you've got some emotion around that, then, of course, people will be reluctant. They won't come to these sessions or they'll be kind of like a little bit sort of coy about their answers and that kind of thing. So we found it's really about creating the recipient, mm. being ready to receive. That's what it's all about. And then the expert will will happily share.
0: I've moved house before. Right? Most of us have. And you get to know your home, don't you? You know the quirks of your house. You know that heating timer plays up every now and then. You need to do this to it. You know that the uh, the water does a certain noise or something and, and you, you get used to it. And I've bought houses before where it's been a really elongated process, right? It's gone on and on. And there's been a bit of to-ing and fro-ing and the survey's thrown up stuff. And I've asked the people in the house to make certain changes and they've reluctantly done it. And anyway, it goes on and on and on. Then you move into the house and because it's been this drawn out process and they're not willing participants anymore, they've kind of got fed up with you. They don't tell you about all this quirky stuff. So you end up going in and and you've got the technology in the house. You've got the, you know, the hive central heating system that does it all itself. But you don't know how to use any of it because they've taken the, the instruction manual. You don't know the quirks of the house. Yeah, other times I've moved into properties where the previous owners left me like a handwritten manual. You know, the bins come on a Tuesday, you do recycling every other week, and they really lay it out for you. And it makes such yeah, a difference, yeah. doesn't it?
2: Absolutely, yeah. Where there's willingness, you know, things go smoothly. And you know, it's a great, it's a great anecdote. And you know, it's just like the the ventilator challenge. You know, when companies were behind this because they all had a common goal and they wanted to work together, they wanted to save lives lives you get this immediate collaboration between different organizations just boom like that no problem at all i mean that's the wonderful thing is that when there is goodwill when there is genuine participation lots of things just get overcome Mm. they just get sorted out no problem and you can try and use your tools and techniques and all this kind of stuff what you need to do is engage hearts and minds
0: yeah if you could bottle that if you could bottle a goodwill potion and sell it you'd be a multi-billionaire you'd be knocking elon (laughs) musk off of his (laughs) perch i'm sure (laughs) yeah yeah well well
2: i think you know i feel a part of i feel i have part of that recipe in that bottle but you know it is only a part of it and you know there's lots of other factors which you've got to get right chris voss he wrote a book he was an fbi negotiator and he's written this book never split the difference it's a really good read but he talks about engaging with hostage takers and you know how by having genuine uh, listening to their perspective how they will start opening up and telling you their challenges and working with you because mm. you have absolutely respect for their position you don't you're not agreeing with it but you are respecting that in their world it makes perfect sense in their world it's completely logical what they're doing and that then buys people's willingness to engage with you and start negotiating. <laughs> so, you know, I th- I think you know if you, if you want people to be get what your point of view is immediately, you're going to keep um, knocking heads together. You know, just first seeking to understand the other perspective immediately starts opening up the dialogue.
0: It's the empathy piece, isn't it? You need to have empathy with people. It's the cornerstone of any kind of transformation or change. Yeah. Is having empathy with your audience. Yeah, you remind me of that episode of Only Fools and Horses where Dell and Rodney go to the supermarket and has been robbed and they get locked in the office upstairs with the bank manager or whoever he is and the and the robber's trying to rob it and then suddenly they Dell realizes he knows the the robber's mum and he's like um i know your mum i sold her a fur coat and he goes oh hello Dell, yeah i remember you and all of a sudden gone. he's gone from this really scary <laughs> robber and he just poured out his life story his address <laughs> and everything because he knows his mum <laughs> it, is, it is completely nuts yeah yeah uh, for those who don't know what only fools and horses <laughs> is if you're listening in some far-flung place in the world it's uh, an absolutely brilliant sitcom from back in the day Um you could probably find it on netflix and stuff but it's brilliant uh watch it and if you see that episode you know exactly what we're talking about shall we move on leadership and continuous improvement a subject that i absolutely love as you can probably tell so, David, what role do you see leadership playing in fostering a culture where employees feel empowered to excel and innovate? How do we create that apart from this magic potion?
2: Yeah, the leader has responsibility. They have a job to do. That's why they were hired. They take ownership. They can shoulder the that commitment, if you like. But they're going to need to do it through their fellowship. That's the bottom line. You know, ultimately, it'll only ever be their kind of They can pull their hierarchy card, say, you must do this. But if you really want to unlock the, what I call intrinsic motivation, you know, the stuff really, the real power, if you like, the real goodwill, engagement, what we've just discussed, you know, you're going to need to understand what this makes your team work what drives them what they want and they might not be quite as interested in in hitting the kpi for the week as you that might really not mm. what sets them alight you know to go home and tell people I've, I've got 75 widgets out today you know that's amazing we've never done that before it might not be quite the same as for the leader and you think of like your own performance what a good leader has done for you how it has made your job enjoyable you know and not least the ones right in the middle between the the c-suite and the shop floor, you know those guys have you know they're, they're pulled in lots of different directions and often not given much training in that you know they they have they've risen up from doing a good job and they've good at what they do. they haven't necessarily been taught about how to manage people and suddenly they're they're doing that handling all that stress from from different quarters.
0: It's hard. I do think that when I was a young guy going into the working world, the manager, the leader, the boss, they were the oracle. They were like the person. When I look back now, some of them were, were terrible, right? Really shocking. But I don't think they ever had any kind of coaching or guidance in how to be a leader and the impact that they will have on young minds. Because when I became a leader, without even knowing it, I naturally slipped into that role, that that manager that I had back in the day was, because that's what I saw a leader as. And I was doing exactly the behaviours that they were doing, even though as a recipient of those behaviours, I hated it and it was awful and I left. But I I mirrored those behaviours because it's what I'd seen.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was the only blueprint you had, really. That was... Precisely, yeah, yeah. you don't think that but subconsciously you do ingest it. I think it just goes into your, you that, that's what they do. That's what you do. That's what bosses do. This is how they dress. This is how they walk. This is how they talk. Mm. This is the language mm. they use. No, I think it's, it's fascinating. And one of the things I'll say to clients, you know, just describe your best boss you've had. Let's just look at the characteristics. How did they get the best out of you? And just, just reflecting over that, well, let's immediately start, thinking, well, am I doing that for my team? No, I'm just telling them what to I, I hated being told what to do. And yet now I'm just telling, telling, telling. And I'm frustrated while people aren't doing exactly what I say, you know. So, <laughs> but just reflect, okay, well yeah. how could you what did he do? Well he listened to me. He got onto my project. He he or she like cared about me as a person. You know, I, I felt like they actually genuinely cared for me. That felt really good. So, do you genuinely mm-hmm. care for your guys? Do you, do you know what they're up against, what their struggles are? And are they the, the, someone they could see as an ally for them?
0: I have it with my kids if I tell my son to do something and I pull that I am your father you must do as I say card he does a half assed job it's scrappy it's budget and scarper and I end up having to redo it if he's passionate about it and we've made it fun and you know he understands why he needs to do it and we make it a, you know a, a bit of you know a responsibility thing look son you're getting a bit older now I need you to help out with this can you go and scrape that wallpaper off the wall for me it's got to be nice and smooth you've then got to sand it down because when we paint it it's going to be this and it's going to be that you'll do a cracking job if i just say go and scrape that wallpaper off do it now as you're not going on your ipad that's it do it now he just goes over and it's half bodged it's not worth it is it it's it's, it's better to put a little bit of time into the individual up front because you get such a better result at the end of it you,
2: you're dead right yeah you're dead right and my domestic equivalent man is, i said to my kids I bet you can't unload the dishwasher in less than a minute. (laughs) Okay. uh, Wow. There's lots of energy. There's also lots of breakages, but you know, I I totally agree. The difference between doing that, like, uh, you know, I would rather father do this. (laughs) And, and like, let's make this a game. It's like, you know, it's just another world. It's another world. How people show up, you
0: <laughs> know, same task, <Yeah>. different
2: motivation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> My kids have got wise to me because I'm like, right, if you don't stop misbehaving, we're not going to go to Costa. We're not going to Costa today if you carry on. You know, they carry on. I go, right, we're not going to Costa now. And I sit there and think, damn, I, I want to go to Costa. How am I going to get out of this now? Because I told them we're not going. So then we go and we get there and I go, right, I'm just buying for me. You're not having nothing now. It's just for me. And we get in there and I'm like... Can I have a large latte and two hot Eat chocolates food. for the kids, please? And they know every week that he's just going to say that and he's going to get it at the end. <laughs> he's making that false threat that doesn't really exist. But as, as a human, I slip back into that mindset, even though – I know that it's better to engage and and get them on my side. I still fall into that bit where I go parent-child and I start dictating. I think it's something to do with time and rushing. And I I feel like I haven't got time to stand there and do that piece. In the work equivalent, sometimes I've been in that position as a leader and as a follower where there hasn't been time to really do that hearts and minds piece. I just need it done and it's got to happen today type thing. That's quite difficult to overcome.
2: What I do, I would say, generally speaking, it's it's not complex, but it does make it easy. (laughs) I would say, you know, I sort of think, you know, why anyone could do this stuff. Yeah, but it's actually really difficult. It's really difficult. Like you say, we revert to type and times against us and got your own challenges you know that's that's for sure you're in the middle of being squeezed as well but i think that's why it's good to have people who can support you and you know if you do nothing else have a bit of time to step out and reflect and go into it just to pause a bit you know what what kind of leader do i want to be and it's really interesting um you'll find this interesting matt that Peter Hines, he's a semi retired now, but he, do do you know Peter?
0: I've seen that he's on LinkedIn, isn't he? I've seen a lot of his posts. He's got a few books as well.
2: He shared a a really good concept, which I love, called the level zero meeting. So you have the level one meeting with shop floor, level two with supervisors, and so on. But he says the level zero meeting is the meeting you have with yourself, the pet talk (laughs) you have with yourself. It's like, what kind of a day am I going to make this? How am I going to show up? You know, how 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 do I want to come across? Do I want to come across as the guy with the furrowed brow of the world on his of his head? Or do I want to, like, engage with my team and really wish him a good morning? <laughs> I, and I love that. I think that's the kind of meeting which um, is that's so awesome. important for culture, you know. But, yeah. but, you know, you have to take ownership for that. No one's going to tell you, you know, have you had your meeting? And
0: I'm going to put that. in back. Can you imagine that in your calendar? Level zero meeting, and, and in some organisations I've worked out, I've shared my calendar with my boss, and I can imagine them ringing me up going, "What's all these level zero meetings? I've never heard of these." Like, oh, that's that's the meeting with myself where I'm going to so busy. I'm so busy with my level zero yeah. meetings, I haven't got time to see you, mate. <laughs> What's that all-day session on Friday? Level zero meeting. I'm just reflecting on what I've done and what I'm going to do next week on the
2: golf course.
0: Yeah, it's the best place.
2: <laughs> no, it is really important, and that's why you know. I'm going to sort of divert your agenda too much, but you know, taking time out, you know, actually, one thing I would say is as lean enthusiasts, we love getting things done, we love output and pushing things out the door, then we get a kick from accomplishment, right? But it can be obsessive. You want to just squeeze every, you know, you want to squeeze so much into your day. And even at the end of the day, you run right up to the bus, you know, like you're still trying to knock out a few more emails rather than just a little bit of time just to stop and say, you know, what is the most important thing really, really now? You know, what is the, uh, what's the one thing I learned from yesterday, which will make today a little bit better? And these are just like just a little bit of time, which actually does shape the personal growth piece. And, and you don't need a coach to do that. You need that's something you just need to get into that practice of reflection and and writing down your intention and. And you know that that will make a difference. Compound that every day for the, for a year. Yeah, you're going to be showing up better by the end of it.
0: A very wise leader once told me when I used to go into meetings with senior leaders, if I was trying to pitch a new idea, or particularly with continuous improvement or a lean initiative, I'd be going on there trying to sell this initiative to some directors. And like you said before, they're being squeezed. Right, they've got their deliverables, they've got the operation to nail. They hear this guy coming along talking about all this fluffy continuous improvement stuff. They're not really interested and I used to waffle right for an hour and um, this wise person once said to me what write down three bullets of what you want to get from this session they are your three main takeaways and just focus on those three takeaways the rest can come at another time and it really helped me because I started having a a post-it note stuck on the bottom of the screen so I could see it the whole way through the call and it really helped me focus and make sure I got the value for me and for them out of that meeting.
2: Super technique. Love it, yeah. It
0: worked really yeah, well. I just I had a whole sea of post-it notes stuck across the bottom of my monitor in the end. <laughs> I had to find a different method.
2: <laughs> oh, that's very good.
0: But with what you were saying then about working up to a deadline... When I think about my experiences, when I work up to a deadline, work right up to the last minute, don't stop, you know, just to catch that bus sort of piece, more often than not, I regret or end up redoing the piece of work that I was doing right up to then. Or I read the social media posts that I put out in a rush and there's mistakes or errors and I wish I'd have done something slightly different. I think sometimes it's actually better to take that pause and say, do you know what, I'll do this later or tomorrow and just step away. That uh, is that this is it, you know, the the peter drucker
2: one seem to be naming peters but there's nothing more pointless than doing efficiently that which should not be done at all that is spot on so you you're you're rattling it out they shouldn't even be done you know yeah
0: what's the value where's the value
2: one great sort of technique to say like if you were to if you were like really critically injured or you your working time had massively reduced what would be the two hours you would make sure happen You know, if you only had two hours with your team, how would you spend those two hours? And that helps people, you know, and usually they'll say, I would make sure it's really clear. I'd speak to my key people and make sure they knew what the mission was and talked about what's their big challenge. And That's it. That's what I would do. So have you done that this week? No. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that really what's the key what's the critical you know what, what's what's getting your way speaking to them you know, often they're like ships passing in the night Your most important people you're like ships passing in the night because they're good guys they do their job and that is the time to really protect mm. that particular time really protect relate you know and those are often like building the relationships thing hard to kind of get really lean about that sort of stuff it's, it doesn't relationships don't don't work so well with lean thinking They're not like, they don't work like that. They actually require you to genuinely put your own agenda to one side to get your output out of the way and really think about someone else. Can't always limit that to time. (laughs) It's difficult, isn't it? Yeah, I
0: think what people overlook it because because Lean is built on empathy and respect for people. But so often people who are trying to drive transformation forget that element and go straight in for the metrics, the KPIs, the improvements. And that's the challenge because you haven't done that relationship building and that piece and it's not this communal effort then to drive things forward it becomes a leader with a stick beating the people on the floor to try and get those results and it doesn't work yeah Are there any other strategies that you've implemented in your in your realms of a transformation leader to achieve like the results that you have where you've doubled the output and reduced lead time? How have you done that?
2: The transformational leader piece. So I've just to give a little bit of an overview. I was an employee up to 2020 and uh, after 2020, I did my own coaching practice consultancy. So within the organization, that's where the bulk of my working life has been inside a structure. You know, I've had a boss to report to and so on one case study i can talk about was actually in the world of innovation so there's an innovation center this is about it's not a product it's about creating data points it's about evaluating different products and different concepts so we had a challenge where we had very long lead times from the time to get your submitting your test to getting a test result obviously that slows down the whole product development cycle so we've got, we've got loads of ideas, but we don't know which one's the best. So we will just come up with a couple more ideas. Yeah. So my role as an operations manager is how do I, how do we shorten this like feedback loop? How do we get it down? And there is like exactly what you said, the respect for people and coaching the team, like well, how can we reduce that? And everyone has a role to play in that. And what I found really interesting, because we had an operation with scientists, very gifted scientists, and we had people who are running the equipment who are apprentice trained CNC workers and so on and you know it was we needed everyone it wasn't a technological solution here we had to get more output from the machines and that was using classic lean technique what's the waste value stream mapping how do we find the biggest waste what can we do about that and getting the guys who were working with when i say guys just for clarity i mean guys and girls just i just use that so just a a collective of yeah i I just that's my (laughs) my words but i yeah but how do you how would you solve that problem if we want to reduce that waiting time from here to here or that you know transfer time the change over time from here to here what would how can we do that and involve the people doing the job in that process which is you're familiar with that matt but it was phenomenal how powerful that was in a research environment so it wasn't necessarily our brain boxes. It was our people yeah. who were actually touching the the equipment on the test. They can see these things, you know. So a little example of, you know, just, oh, we're taking this little image or we're doing this thing now. Oh, no one ever even looks at that. So why don't we just not do it? And does anyone need it? Well, no one's using it. Okay, let's just take it out, you know. And it, it was just like. It's just challenging. There's, you know, challenge the status quo. You know, little things like that really make a difference. But also teaching people about first in, first out and queue jumping and the impact of those kind of things on innovation, it, it makes a big difference. And that would apply in the NHS or in retail, whatever. But we People love this sort of express lane and fast tracking. And it's just, it's terrible for lead time. You know, it's really bad. And, and it also adds lots of complexity because you get these kind of stresses and strains around people who are trying to work the system to find how do i get into the fast track so they're using all their energy on basically non-value add rather than let's process people first and first out we know what how the system works and it, it runs well and everyone gets better service
1: 13 time shingo prize winner dr jeffrey leiker and toyota kata author mike Rother have created the Improvement Kata and Coaching Kata online course. This inexpensive compact program is designed to transform your thinking and approach, making you a highly skilled learner and coach. Engage in deliberate practice to turbocharge your progress. You also get lifetime access to the materials, including all of the bonus interviews. Why pay up to 10 times the price elsewhere listening to some consultant when you can gain direct insights from the masters themselves. Skip the rest and go with the best. Join us today and embark on your journey to excellence. Just click on the link below to start your journey.
0: With 30 years of experience in certifying a range of improvement techniques, BQF is the standard you can trust in an ever-expanding market of qualifications. To gain a BQF certification, you need to demonstrate more than knowledge. You need to prove that you've been there, done it, and have learned from your mistakes. A BQF certification guarantees professionals who can walk the walk. Once certified by BQF, you are listed on their certification register where you can annually update your status to prove that you're still practicing your skills. BQF Certifications come in four levels, Associate Practitioner, Practitioner, Advanced Practitioner, and Master Practitioner, giving opportunity to grow and develop in each of these areas. Head to bqf.org.uk today to find out more about Certifications in Change Management, Customer Experience, Lean, Lean Six Sigma, Living Your Values, Mental Health and Wellbeing, Personal Development, and Programme and Project Management. Once you become aware of those things, though, you see them everywhere, don't you? you? Your eyes just open up to it. I sound like I work my children. I don't work my children. They just help out. Like They've got their chores that they do. When I was hoovering the downstairs the other day, my son helps. And what happens is he, he goes in front of me and um, he's in charge of prepping the rooms oh, nice. ready for me to like say so He moves yeah. things out the way. He's got really smart at it now and he's always one room ahead. So he's really staying ahead of the game, right? He's keeping that value stream flowing constantly. And um, what he did the other day is he moved like the vegetable rack in the kitchen. He moved the bin and he moved the, the baby's high chair to the other side of the room. But when he did it, he put them in a different order. Anyway, when I was hoovering, I had to move the plug. So the hoover went off for a second and he went, Dad, look what I've done over here. He goes, I've put them in this order. So when I put them back, they go back in this order now. So it's much easier to do. I've got to move things around. And I was like, oh, what you've done there? I said, that's called FIFO. So that's first in, first out. So you've you've lined them up in that way. And I explained the logic to him. And he goes, oh, that's brilliant. I'm doing FIFO. He's on, he's on the call with his mates. Hey, I've just done FIFO. Yeah, I'm <laughs> just doing FIFO.
2: It's got a, Proper it, it sounds cool, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: It sounds great. But these things, we do these sorts of things. And these, these tools that are used in Lean, like your first in, first out and stuff like that, even if you're not familiar with Lean Concepts, you will know it if i if you go up to somebody and you explain what that is they will go oh yeah yeah we do that we do it here we do it there we do it every you know we we put our bins around the side of the house we put them in the order at which they're going out so i know which one goes out first next week yeah
2: yeah we do it don't yeah we? yeah and, and obviously like supermarkets and the shelves and they're putting the new precisely products back. yeah
0: the, the only thing is that
2: obviously the the canny customer is reaching to the bank because they <laughs> know <me>. this, it's <laughs> like oh, i'm not going to be the one he's going to be like we're not getting mugged off exactly <laughs> the point to be made here is that explain this logic you know put let's do role play it out let's actually you know for the scientists particularly if they these guys are wired to look at things in an analytical way You know, we actually did the model where you have the lead times, you kind of role play the the interrupt. So someone's going to leapfrog the queue, you add all the lead times up and you show the average lead time has actually gone up. Even though one person had a brilliant performance overall, there's more clocks ticking on, you know, on the case. The overall time is going to be more. Okay, but they they need to see it, you know, because the emotional thing is not going to help. They need to see it analytically. And that's part of like understanding your audience as to what is the language they're going to buy into. And for some people, it's like, oh, I'm getting trained, you know, FIFO. I'm using these great techniques. And I feel like I'm becoming a real process engineer. You know, that kind of is driving them. And, and they want to use their new techniques as often as possible. But it doesn't always go down that well because they haven't engaged the hearts and minds. And people don't understand what they're trying to achieve. It's just for them. And we're all like that.
0: We see the world yeah. from our perspective and think everyone else should just immediately get that. There's some brilliant software where you actually build those models and it shows the clocks ticking and the different workstations and you can see the build-up of inventory at each yeah. one and the waste yeah. there. And, yeah. and I think that visualization breaks down barriers so whether you're a shop floor worker, whether you're the manager in the ivory tower, or you're a middle manager, if you can actually see visually the impact of what things do and and how your actions make that happen, I think you're much more willing to engage in any kind of solution or kind of transformation.
2: Absolutely,
0: yeah, no, I I really agree. the 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 Roosevelt
2: quote is great one. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care so yeah you know it's like hey guys I I know this has been difficult to explain so I'm going to kind of really sit you down I'm going to show you I can give you the courtesy of a bit of training now and talk to you as adults and that people who are clever guys who want to do the right thing and who want to be do the best of the company. The reason why you, you want batch, large batch processes is because in your world, that's why wouldn't you do that? I can contribute more. Why would I want small batches? I can contribute more with a big batch. It's completely respecting the fact that that would make sense that this this is someone who actually wants to contribute in a good way. So they're going to fight back if you start taking that away from them, yeah. Because they feel they're going to do less,
0: you know. Yeah, it, logically that makes sense, doesn't it? You put yourself in that yeah. person's shoes. You walk. You walk. Was it? Say you walk a, a mile in that person's shoes. Or the whatever moccasins. Yeah. yeah, but that's what it is. They are thinking you're asking me to do less. Like, but I want to do more. Why are you asking me to do less? <laughs> and do their job for a bit, and you'll realise why that is really difficult to shift from doing
2: that thing. So yeah,
0: yeah, that's always the key. I always, always think that, like you. If you're a leader of people and you really want to engage with your team and, and work with them, you need to go and do their job. You need to spend some time on the shop floor living in their, their world, their bubble, doing what they do. So you really understand the challenges of what they do.
2: And, and the tedious bits. Yeah. You do that then. Okay, so you count all that stuff now. It's like, this is really boring. Yeah. You're going to do anything to get out of that. It's like, so So let's find a way, guys. Let's find a way. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. You know, I want to do that like that job. I know it makes perfect sense to do that. But if we can find a solution, let's try and find it together. And sometimes there are stuff where you have to suck it up and do something which is boring. But at least
0: you can do it with recognizing that's difficult and giving praise for it. So in that environment then, so you, you know, you're in a busy working environment where there's loads going on, everyone's got their own personal battles that they're fighting with their role, you've got the leaders that are trying to drive the KPIs and move things forward. How do you drive a sustainable growth for the development of talent within that environment? How do you make time for that and not just be transfixed on delivering the product at the end of the day? It's a great question, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's... it's... <laughs> easy to say how yeah.
0: To. <laughs> yeah it makes
2: sense to like invest in in your growth you know it makes sense to, to sharpen the saw the thing of cutting down the tree if you spend a, spend some time mm. sharpening the saw you can be more effective and all that it makes perfect sense but what I found works is you know it needs to be owned by the person who's going to benefit and I think you know you can tell people take time out and stuff but you've got to role model that yourself I take time out. I will do that and really respect their boundaries mm. and, and help people to help themselves because it can be really difficult. You know, someone's got like a, a course they're going to do and they're very committed to doing, getting the KPI. They're committed people. It's for them to do a course, even though you want them to do it. So the business wants them to do it. You're giving them the time. And yet there's this thing in their own head, which is I need to get the output. I care for the organization. That actually can be Very, very strong thing to break, and it is partly around the. It may be around their their standing amongst the team. I don't want to be the one seen to be in the office. I don't want to be that kind of. I don't know Judas, you know, who's like not like with the lads, or you know, I'm not with the team. So you know, it's breaking through that kind of stuff you know, sometimes it's seriously outside of someone's comfort zone. They would much rather do the everyday job than sit in front of a laptop or do something paper-based. It's like... Uh, and and they're going to make every excuse to avoid that and and they want kind of want to do it but it's also outside their comfort zone and that's where you, you know to give give people the tools make that as easy as possible remove distractions be flexible about when is the best time to do this for you maybe you should just do it in the morning because you always get involved in stuff and then you never take your time out for yourself and you know ask them about it you know who do you need to be accountable mm. to you know how, how can we maybe get other people involved in this as well so it becomes a work based project so that you can really feel it's adding value straight away so i i think we're all guilty of the same thing we should spend more time developing and we tend to revert to the the status quo it's really strong inertia to just keep banging the same drum and and a coach, you know, if you work with a coach, part of that is the fact we do things for other people more than we do for ourselves. So just, I don't want to let my opposite number down. I don't want to let my coach down. So I'm going to do it for them, which is nuts really, because it's completely for you. But we we do respond to that and like, yeah, you know, training, for physical training and stuff. If you've got a gym class and if you've got a, a running buddy and you say, we're going to meet at, you know, at eight o'clock at the lamppost, whatever, down the road, you kind of find yourself going there, even though you kind of really don't want to go there. You find yourself, here I am going, because I just don't want to let them down, you
0: know. And then you come back and you've got it done, and you feel great, you know, if you're glad you've made the time. If there's was a movie and you was flicking through Netflix, right, and you was watching a movie and you watched the first five minutes of it and you didn't like it, you just turn it off, right? You wouldn't feel no emotional connection to that movie. You wouldn't feel like you're letting the actors down because you've skipped their movie. You just find something else that you like. But as human beings, we say we want our self-development. We start our, our self-development. We, you know, we initially make time and we don't enjoy it, right? We start studying for something and we don't enjoy it. And then we keep putting it off. It always goes to the bottom of the pile and six months pass and we've already moved forward. There's nothing wrong with going, do you know what? That's not for me. I didn't like it. I'm going to move on.
2: Yeah.
0: Don't force yourself to do something that you're not enjoying because you're not going to absorb the information. Just, just yeah. bin it off and find another one, like something else you want to do as I've grown into myself as I've got older I've been a little bit more ruthless like that and I will just go no it's not for me sorry I get lots of these um, people on LinkedIn that say oh join our networking thing I used to be really polite yeah. and go to them just for the sake of going to them and they were rubbish for me Right? they didn't work for me and now I'm just like no thanks I'm not interested I just don't worry about it
2: we have to you have to learn that skill because yeah. you're going to be uh, and the, the test I use is, is it a hell yes or a, <laughs> is it a hell no yeah. you know it's like I would like yeah I absolutely i want to do this you know hell yes you know and it's it's great and i like i like the fact that you know some some of this is being like a, the willingness to uncommit to stuff as well like i'm just not going to do that yeah. and i'm terrible you know just my own challenge i'm terrible I'm, I te- I'm a sucker for like letting people down right but sometimes that can get you into you are finding yourself you're doing it just out of principle and then you <laughs> don't look after you don't feel you don't show up great And to be honest, they don't get the best out of you either. So it's only doing others a service. If you're not really on board with this, just say look I I need to focus on something else you know for me this is the right thing but what I can do is this I can exactly I can do something I can do five minutes of support I can recommend it to someone else I can do something but I can't give that chunk of time to that it's it will kind of drain you of your of your sort of spark and and that's something you've got to really look after your passion for what you're doing um, like I can see, you know, you know for, for these podcasts, you can see it's like you're loving this, you know, and that's something to really protect. If you find this is make, making you alive, then how do I do more of that? How do I extend that? If I was
0: coming on here crying, going, "Oh, David, oh, I just don't want to talk to you," and I was really miserable and grumpy, you'd be sitting there thinking, "Why is he doing this?" Because he clearly doesn't want to be doing it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You're
2: doing on the first day of the the first working day of the year. You're in there doing this, and I, I you know, I, I'm the same. But we are creatures of habit, and the autopilot thing is strong. So I, I feel like I'm labouring that point, but it's because I think we need help sometimes. The thing we, we know we really want to do is about starting it. And, you know, yes, yes, if we can procrastinate and and maybe it's not the right thing, but sometimes it's being able to break down that thing into something more bite size. And continuous improvement is a rocking tool for doing that. It's really good because we really value the small step stuff. So I feel that I have a a kind of a a little bit of a advantage here because I've really seen the power of those incremental steps. And it really does work. So if you've got a big task, like, you know, I want to move jobs or I want to start a new thing, or if it's so big, you won't do anything. It just sits there like a big blob. And if you can just say, right, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to open a bank account and call it the holiday fund, you know, and you can do that literally in minutes. You can just create a little account off your off your main account called and start standing order, start putting some money into it. Just do it, like do it now, <laughs> do it right after this thing. And that is, you know, I think Lean does teach us that, you know, start with small things, value the small steps and, and then you compound it over time and sometimes when you it's once you get that sense of win and achievement think hey, this is working, you know. I don't know if you've done like a a savings project. Once the snowball has got to a certain size, it's actually quite
0: enjoyable and you just... Spurs you on. Yeah, it spurs you on. It does, yeah. It's that saying, isn't it? Eat the elephant in bite-sized chunks. I don't know why they say that because you don't eat elephants, but meaning that you wouldn't eat the whole elephant in one go, you would break it down so you'd eat the leg first, then you'd eat the other leg and you'd, you'd slowly do it. I think sometimes we can be put off I procrastinate. If there's a massive task in front of me, how often have I I sat down to write a paper on something? And that first moment you open the Word document and it's this blank white page and I'm staring at it thinking, I just don't know, you know, I'm going to write the date. And I think, oh, I don't like the date there, so I rub it out. And then I go, then I, then I, then I write, this is by Matt Sims. And I go, I don't like Change that. Change
2: format. Do some more formatting. <laughs> yeah, you
0: do, yeah. <laughs> yes. Don't want Time's New Roman. I go to Ariel. I go, I don't like Ariel. It's too common. And you do, you just procrastinate. And I sit there and hours gone by. And I think, do you know what? I could have just walked away from this, done something else, and then sat down and mind mapped what I want to create here. And then I would have had it clear in my head. And I'd be so much more proactive in what I'm trying to do. I can say all this stuff, but when it comes to actually doing it, I slip back to type, like you said before, and I end up going down the same mistakes I've always made. (laughs) So what have you learned from this conversation, Matt? Well, I've learned that I'm, I'm definitely thinking right, but I just don't, I don't walk the walk in what I talk. <laughs> you're, you're, you're fueling my mind in terms of, yes, you're correct. But, so yeah. is but it's about so execution
2: easy. and follow through, yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I've done all the training. I just need to, to do the perform on the pitch. We're running out of time, here and I've got so many things I could ask you. Um, I'm going to have to cherry pick what I ask you now because we are running out of time so much. So can you delve into strategies for leaders to create cultures where individuals feel empowered to contribute and excel? And I think we've touched on it a little bit with the engagement piece, haven't we?
2: The one thing which I was never taught and I would like, you know, listeners to be more aware of is the power of your attention on someone's performance. I think we tend to think that it's what we do as a leader. What information do I need to give someone? And but actually, the power of your attention is massive, and you—you know—you'll see this with your kids. They'll say, "You know, dad, dad, can you can you look at this? Look at me. I've just," uh, and they're not wanting anything from you. They're actually just wanting you to notice and and you know be aware, and that's amazing. So the the ability to listen well, the ability to ask great questions, the ability to just let someone process and come up with their own solutions is really valuable, and I think. You know, we we are taught this in Lean, is that the best person to solve the problem is probably doing the job already, right? They probably know what's the best thing. So, and we want to hear their answers, but that is a discipline. It's a discipline to not jump in with advice. It's a discipline to not, like, get get into the weeds of the problem and start trying to make sense of it in your mind it's a discipline to hold back and say that you know tell me more what's the biggest challenge and literally let the person come to that light bulb in their own consciousness you know one of the techniques i do is teach people coaching techniques how to ask open questions how to listen at the not just to, to the words but to the body language the emotion because often you know people are, they're telling you stuff and what they really want is appreciation. They want you to sort of feel their pain and, and you're going in there trying to solve their problem and they've already got a solution to it. It's just, I, you know, what do you do when you find something difficult? You want to just share it to someone and you should be able to share it with your boss without them having, you know, sort of telling you, telling you to pull yourself together. You should be able to share it with at least your boss. You might not want to moan on the shop floor, but you should be able to at least share a little bit of venting. It's, it's just get it out there and then let's focus on what's important, what we can do proactively. You know, I would say you know, invest some time in how to listen properly, how to ask good questions. Super important. It's something you can practice, you know, today. Ask a genuine open question without prejudging the solution here.
0: Get good at asking those questions. That's a real skill, that is, as well, to do that. I don't know, my, my wife will ask me a question, um, or I'll, I'll ask her a question. And I know the output I want from that conversation before we even started it. So I don't actually listen. I'm just sort of, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm instigating what I want. But sometimes that's, yeah, you're spot on. That is exactly right. Really good advice. So a growth mindset. So what's some of the key starting points for leaders and individual contributors in a growth mindset? The
2: word growth mindset was, I think it was coined by Carol Dweck, who worked with a lot of kids in schools and stuff in america and she realized that if people thought they could the the brain was plastic it could actually develop so you're not born with talent but we grow skills we can grow all of these things if we can i i can if i will that is something which is a gift a company can give the individual you can you know in your whole language you start praising people for the effort they've put into the task. You know, well done for trying something new. You say that, you know, let's reward. They've tried something new here, and it's gone really badly, but well done for trying something new. Now we know what, this doesn't work. And that's encouraging a growth mindset. You know, what's, what have we learned from that? What are we going to do differently for our next trial, for our next idea? And people tend to beat themselves up pretty bad for failure, and that encourages us to say, look, we're just not good at this. And what you need to be doing there is like encouraging them. You did great. You tried something new. I think a lot of people do have very hardwired limiting beliefs about what they can achieve. They're pretty sure they're not the sort of person to light up the world. You know, they're pretty sure they're just Joe Average, you know, see, you know, I'm not that sort of guy. And they keep telling themselves that. And to just say, you know, why not? Why shouldn't it be you? You know, what, what you know, just yeah. this challenge that thinking that you're all, you're plateaued out, you're maxed out. I can't be a supervisor. Like some of you really, they, everyone else knows they would be brilliant, would love to work for them. The only person stopping them is their own, is something in between their ears. And we need those people to like start believing in themselves. And a, And a good way is to like start fostering this growth mindset, you know. What tools would help you feel confident in that role? What would enable you to feel confident with your team? Okay, let's see if we can come up with something to give you that confidence. Who would you love to be your mentor? You could be a great boss for your team. Have you ever thought about that as a responsibility? You know, they want a decent guy there to do that job. Someone who actually understands what they're going through. Maybe Maybe you're the best person they could have ever had. Maybe you could be the best team leader these guys have ever had. Have you thought about it like that? So I think this is just this good challenge we need to foster a growth mindset. And it's really needed. It's going to be perhaps the biggest impact on efficiency, productivity
0: will be on on that kind of stuff. The biggest challenge in anything we do is overcoming our own minds. I do believe that. When I talk to people and they say, oh, what do you do? And I say, oh, you know, I stand in front of people and I talk and they go, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. I couldn't get up there. I couldn't do that. And I'm like, but why couldn't you do that? Like, You could do that. Right now, you're talking yourself out of the fact that you could do it. If I asked you to go up there and talk about your last summer holiday that you had, just tell us all about your summer holiday, you could do that because you know all about it. You're passionate about it. You love it. You could do it. That's all it is. But people talk themselves out of it. If they started doing that and I went, You've done a really good job there. You know, you absolutely smashed it. Well done. Like you were so confident and spoke clearly. They're going to go away thinking, I want to do that again. I'm going to do that again. I think there's so much can be said for for giving people encouragement and even when things haven't gone so well, give them encouragement about the things that did go well in what they did, because that'll get them coming back again, rather than saying, I can't do that, can't do it. Right. Last one, then let's let's go in for this one. So in your view, what key elements are essential for organisations to not only optimise efficiency, but foster environments where individuals can thrive, grow and achieve unparalleled excellence in their careers? Where's this golden holy grail of a place to be, David? You tell me.
2: We're all different, Matt. You know, everyone, what makes people tick is so different. And it is a lifelong journey to know. And we, and we change as well. So not only is it different, but we also change over life. What was important to you as a, as a teenager is different to you when you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, you know. And unlocking that or, or being aware of what that thing is and being curious about it and spending time and knowing what is your why. Your, what gets you out of bed in the morning is a journey but i would really encourage people to take the time in doing that really work out what is important to you now and be prepared to move on from what was great is now not the thing which is going to bring you to life people get older their desire to share and to communicate and to hand over is different to in like your your mid prime of life when you want to be tearing up trees and cutting furrows and and really getting something done you, you do change you know and then people don't realize they've perhaps moved past that time and now they want to step back and and re reinvent themselves in a different way and i think that's really exciting so understand yourself and then be really curious about people around you you know what it makes them tick what's really making them drive and how can we come up with projects and what we should be saying yes to and what we should be selling no to and that therein lies a choice and we have to accept that there's only one person who's gonna make that choice, and so that's me. You know, I've got to take
0: ownership for that. And it's okay to say no. Like no isn't necessarily a negative. It's okay to say no, I'm not interested. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I feel this is an exciting
2: space. My bag is manufacturing, you know, that's where I feel there's a lot of good work to be done. So if your audience is is wants to keep talking, you know, please reach out and let's uh, connect and um, have discussions around this because together I think we need to crack this together because what I absolutely want to end is people being bored at work. You know, I really, that really gets my gets me angry to see people having their best days of their life. but They're not like excited to come to work. You know, it doesn't need to be like that.
0: You can feel it. Can't you, when you walk into a room and all the people there are just surviving rather than thriving, the atmosphere is just so flat and horrible. And you think, God, how could you come here every day? Like, it's awful. Yeah, exactly. Right. I know I said it's OK to say no, but I'm going to give you an example now where it's not OK to say no. <laughs> Great
2: leading. <laughs>
0: Great leading. <laughs> yeah, that was good, didn't it? That was seamless. This is the yes, no game. So basically, I'm going to ask you lots of questions and you can't say yes or no. And I'm going to try my utmost to make you say yes or no. And we'll see if you can last the 60 second time limit sound good i feel nervous matt why am i nervous it's it's a game I just it's, it's yeah. yeah it's because i'm eyeballing you <laughs> now like you can't say yes or no i've got three cards to choose from which will give you a different subject Do you want card number one card number two or card number three card number three card number three is tv tv you know what tv is I believe it's an invention which has yes. changed the world. Let's see if you can keep that kind of composure and coolness when I start putting the music on and I start really coming back oh, with the questions. Shoot. Right, 60 seconds loaded. If you hear the, the really loud sound, that means you said yes, no, or a variance of yes, no. David, it's your time. Do you watch TV for entertainment regularly? It's a waste of time. Have you ever been so invested in a TV show that it affected your mood? I'd love to say I was. Did it give you the ump? Were you grumpy afterwards?
2: You know, I can't really comment on that.
0: Do you often use TV shows as a way to unwind after a long day? I never am stressed. What's your favourite TV show? Greg Wallace, um, inside the factory. Yes, that's a great show, Christmas did... special. Ah, the Christmas special, did you say? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, gotcha! La, 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 gotcha! 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 You were so close <laughs> to the end, then.
2: Oh, oh, so exhausted. <laughs> I, I, you know, I stopped thinking. I started thinking about the content of the question and not the game ah you got me okay thanks Matt thanks
0: growth mindset growth mindset never mind well done Right. listen where can people go and find more about you or get in touch and see the things that you do and that you offer
2: by all means reach out on LinkedIn I've founded manufacturing with purpose that's my branding and we have meets online and in person the next online one is on the 19th of January so people are welcome to join that zoom call We talk about these kind of things and we're going to do a face-to-face one in February. So, you know, let's keep talking. I think that's a good starting point. And, you know, if I can support people in, in lifting their people up to new heights, then
0: I'm in those zoom calls sound really if you have to send me the details of those um and i will pop them in the uh, show notes below so people yeah. can see and, and get a link into there um right well that's it first show of this year is over thank you so much david thanks for coming on today i really appreciate it thank you for your questions matt i've enjoyed <laughs> myself a lot there's been a, a good good
2: crack and uh thanks for what you're doing to shine the light on on lean and and how great that is for business you know it's uh, we need we need advertisers as well as in line as that were. you know it makes sense
0: some key takeaways then from my discussion today with David it was so enlightening I really enjoyed every moment of it time just flew by acknowledging people's knowledge alongside technology is vital for more effective manufacturing processes ensuring holistic approach to operations David spoke about it it's so true as well and the more he spoke about it the more it hit home that's exactly what we should be doing cultivating a culture of trust and collaboration for empowering leadership really does encourage innovation and maximise employee potential. You're only as good as your team. That's the saying that I was always told when I was sort of growing up in the field and it's so true as well because you're nothing without your team. Active listening and genuine care build strong relationships, fostering a positive work environment and enhancing productivity. If you genuinely care about your people or you feel that your boss genuinely cares about you, you're going to go further, you're going to do more and it's a great relationship to be in. Involving and engaging individuals fosters ownership, creativity and enthusiasm and it always leads to better outcomes. If you involve people, make them feel part of the solution, not just part of the problem. You're going to get so much more from them and ultimately so much more from your process. It really is that simple regular self-reflection aligns actions with goals contributing to personal growth and clarity in leadership. I absolutely love the Peter Hines quote that David mentioned about having that uh, it the zero level meeting where you meet with yourself and you have a word with yourself in your head about what you're going to do, how you're going to behave, what's going to happen today. Love it. It's so good, although I'm not quite sure you'd get away with putting it in your calendar, but it's a really good idea incorporating lean principles with respect for individuals drives efficiency and continuous improvement in operations. You can't have a truly lean organisation without starting with respect for people. Right at the bottom of your lean house, if you imagine the Toyota production system and the lean house, the foundations that right at the bottom that hold the whole thing up is respect for people and standard work. You have to have those before you can truly embrace lean within your organisation. organisation empathising with others perspectives fosters effective communication inclusivity and collaboration within teams you have to understand where people are coming from very few people go to work with the intention of deliberately being obstructive or difficult or argumentative they go there with best intent and from their perspective what they're doing is best intent We need to understand that and then we need to use fact data and maybe some visualization in there as well to help people understand where we're coming from and have that discussion, have that dialogue. Don't be afraid to sit down and debate because it might be what you're suggesting actually isn't right. It might be what the other person is suggesting isn't right. There might be somewhere in the middle that fits just perfectly. Encouraging stepping out of comfort zones really does stimulate growth, adaptability and innovation in the workplace. When people see things with fresh eyes, they commonly come up with new ways of working, new ideas, new suggestions. It can be uncomfortable at times, but it's a really good practice to sort of build into your daily routine. Encouraging personal growth whilst respecting boundaries supports individuals' development and motivation. Logical, explantation and visualisation, utilising logical models and visual tools aids in conveying complex concepts across diverse audiences effectively. You can have multiple generations in a workforce. You can have lots of people who have got lots of different backgrounds, lots of different academic levels. But you need to get that message across to everybody, regardless of what their background is, regardless of what their knowledge is. And not everybody will receive that message in the same way. So don't be afraid to deliver that message in different ways to different groups of people. Think about your audience. Understanding people's motivations, fostering engagement and encouraging collaboration creates a positive and productive work environment that's just so good for everybody and really does enhance your overall success opportunity. And finally, prioritising ongoing learning and collaborative efforts facilitates growth and improvement within teams and organisations. It's so easy to train people in something and then go, you're really good at that, that's what you now do, we'll leave you there. People want to grow, they want to learn. It makes you a much stronger operation if you can train people in multiple processes. Three by three by three would be my rule. Teach people three processes. If everybody knows three processes, you're always going to have somebody there who's got knowledge if someone else is off or someone has to shoot off somewhere or someone goes sick. You've got people with knowledge. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Now, I've pulled out 12 key learnings there. I could have pulled out a load more. It was very easy to do. But these ones emphasize the importance of leadership, engagement, empathy, continuous improvement and creating supportive environments for personal and professional development. And it all sets you up for success. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Saline podcast. Thanks again to David for joining us today and giving us his wisdom and his insights from his career. It's been absolutely fascinating. If you like the sound of today's show and would like to hear more, please subscribe and follow the Eversalene podcast at everceline.com. We'll also find episodes that you might have missed and learn more about the services that we have to offer. Now in 2024, they're super exciting. Check it out, everceline.com. If you're on the social, search for the Eversalene podcast, give us a follow and let me know about your lean efforts because I would love to hear all about them. Thanks so much. And I'll see you on the next episode. And don't forget, EverCeline, you know it makes sense. The Eversaline podcast is researched, produced, and recorded by Matt Sims. Visit eversaline.com to find out more.